How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Food for it, cheer for uh, Kind of like it. Richard throws it in front. Carter scores! Well done, boy. There's some swagger. Push down to shove. We're going to get it done. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Hey everybody, welcome to the Thanks Bud Podcast. I am Chanel Berlin. And I'm Diane Fan. So the Kings only played two games since the last time that we recorded, and one of them they won, which was awesome. We weren't super, super optimistic heading into that Dallas game, but they pulled it out. 3-1 win on the road, so they weren't total failures. They didn't go 0 for 5. They went 1 for 5, which is something. Um, but then they, <laughs> they lost at home to the New York Islanders, which was... A little bit surprising, I think. Or at least it was to me. Did it surprise you at all? Um, I don't know if it was surprising, uh, especially now since, like, the Islanders have gotten better, if you had asked me last year. That's true. Um, or last season, you know, the Kings are going to lose to the Islanders. I would have been like, well, of course they are, and that's terrible because the Islanders are a garbage team. But they've gotten a lot better, um, so I'm not too sad about it. Um, and it's not too unexpected, I suppose, especially since... Considering the way the Kings have been, had been playing, um, I had kind of hoped that now that they were home, you know, they would have gotten back into the groove of things. Um, but I guess not. Yeah. And, and to be fair to the Kings, they didn't get cleaned out by the Islanders or anything. Like the possession stuff was pretty back and forth throughout the entirety of the game. I think the only thing that was maybe disappointing for Kings fans is that the Islanders were on the second day of a back-to-back. And even though the Islanders are improved, the Kings should be a better team. So... Maybe if I think that's where my little bit of surprise stems from because it was closer than I thought it would be. But um, the Islanders, you know, credit to them, they did pretty well. The Kings uh, continue to be a strangely average possession team, which is a little disappointing, but I don't know. I mean, at this point, I don't know if I can even hope for them to be totally better when they continue to run into injuries and continue to have problems. I think starting with the defense. Yeah, and the uh, injury, whatever it may be, to Robin Regeer. I want to say that it's not going to help. It's not like Robin Regeer was, you know, some stud defenseman or anything like that. But he ate up minutes. He was there. Uh, He showed up. Um, So that's not going to help the Kings at all either. (laughs) He was someone who was in attendance, usually. Uh, No, you make a good point. Participant participant ribbon is what he's going to get. Right. (laughs) You make a good point, though. Like, he is not the best defenseman. And I think actually when he's on ice with a lot of guys, he ends up dragging them down a little bit because he's not very fast. But he does, like you said, eat up a lot of minutes. And I think that is a different problem when you have... 5D, and now you need to split those minutes up. And at this point, the um, the coaches, Daryl Sutter, was or had brought down McNabb's minutes to like 10 a night. So now you got to put some more trust in those guys and play them a little more. Um, Muzzin and Dowdy have been very good, but the other pairings have struggled. So it's up to them to sort of step up. It could be interesting, though, because, again, it's early in the season. So if we're going to have to see them experiment with the lineup and see what guys are really made of, I think now is a good time to do it. So in a way, I think today's game could be a hot mess, but I'm also kind of excited about it just to see what guys bring to the table. Um, I'm kind of excited, not excited, uh, interested to see if Dowdy is just going to be on the ice the entire time. 45 minutes tonight. (laughs) 
<laughs> Drew Downey. Probably. He's already playing over 30, which I thought was, like, we commented last season that that was crazy for, like, Ryan Suter. But now that's the territory that Downey lives in. So it will probably be even higher tonight. Yeah, that's nuts. Uh, in the game against the uh, Stars, he played 31 minutes and 46 seconds. Crazy. He loves it, but I'm just like, that's half uh, the yeah. game. With the Regeer thing, like, you would think they'd be able to call somebody up. But again, they fall a little short cap-wise. Like, they are, the cap has really put them in a bind, except for this one is so small, it's almost absurd. Oh, it's completely comical. I know that... Uh, John Rosen had uh, like uh, tweeted about it being like, oh, you know, they're pennies short. And obviously that's just, you know, a saying. It's not actual like literal pennies. But in the in this case, it is. It's pennies. Yeah. It's a, I have $160. I will give it to the. I know it's not a, an issue of them not having the money. It's the cap space. But I'm like, that's. That's negligible. It should not even count. <laughs> On the bright side, though, the Kings do get Justin Williams back, which, of course, he's still probably their most important possession player um, next to Andre Kopitar. So that'll be good for the lineup, and I'm I'm hoping that will help um, because if they are going to be struggling on defense, they need to really, really ramp up that offense again, which actually was something that I was thinking about because – the Kings are in, like, a weird space. Like, of course, they won the Jennings Trophy and whatnot and um, last season, and they were a great defensive team. But I was thinking about, like, when the playoffs rolled around, their defense was not at its absolute best, and they had to – they had, like, that offensive surge, and they were allowing actually more shots. Like, right now, they're averaging, I think, 33 shots against per game, um, and it was, like, 26 against last regular season. But in the playoffs, it was – 30 shots against per game so it's a weird like moment and like space that the kings are entering right now because we know they can sort of change it up a bit and try to be that more offensive team but their identity has been so defensive that now with all of the sort of um challenge the challenges they're facing with the cap and with guys getting injured or getting suspended where it has to like maybe they'll have to bring back that sort of hybrid type of game that they were trying to do during the playoffs i don't know it's kind of fascinating but also kind of weird because this is a team that was like long established in what they do and now it's like I don't know maybe change that because you have to yeah everyone's always just like oh this is the type of uh team that the kings are and they've always played that way and there's never been so many issues kind of you know put on top of each other all at once because you know there's been a person out and you would adapt but that's one thing to adapt for and it's fairly you know it's pretty easy to not easy to do but you know a little bit less complicated right but now you have just like different facets and it just becomes 10 times more complex like oh with this person gone that's one thing that affects you know how the team plays and then added like with this other person gone okay well how does that affect everything like on top of that and it's it's i don't know We'll see how they adjust or if they're just going to kind of, like, I just don't want them to kind of just truck along. You know, I hope that they find something that works Mm -hmm. and it's not just sort of a uh, limping through until everything goes back to normal. Yeah. I mean, as much as, like, losses are annoying and will be annoying if they continue, as long as it seems like the coaches and the players are earnestly trying to figure out something else that could work, then I'm fine with it. Andrew from Jules from the Crown posted an interesting thing yesterday about possession and where the Kings are now and uh, what he thinks they should do on defense, which is split up 
Muzzin and Dowdy to sort of spread that talent around a little bit. But he also said that he thinks if things go on long enough like this with no cap relief for Voinoff or something, that the Kings will have to make some kind of roster move. Is that, I don't know, have you thought about that kind of thing at all? Do you know, like, if if the Kings had to make a roster move, what players would you want to see moved or something like that? Or who do you think would be likely to be moved? Um, You know, I don't know. And I actually haven't thought of that. I don't. I'm an optimist in that I feel like that they can make things work. And I'm not I don't I don't tend to look too far ahead um, when they haven't really tested what they've got yet. Mm-hmm. You know, like this could very well be OK. But I honestly haven't thought about who I would move around if push comes to shove there. I will say during the Carolina game, um, every time I saw Andre Sakara on the ice or whatever, I had this thought, like, why isn't he on my favorite hockey team? Because I think he's just a really um, interesting and competent defenseman. So, and I think Andrew actually mentioned him in his post as well. If they got Andre Sakara, that would be cool. I don't know who they would give up. I guess the person that I would want them to give up or the types of people I would want them to give up would be in the bottom six, obviously, but who knows if that would work. And I also will say, though, that for the guys that they have, it's still really early for guys like Andreoff and uh, McNabb, who I think could get better. Like, Andreoff, I don't think is going to be a crazy, like, important player on the Kings. But right now, he's he's struggling in the underlying numbers um, on the fourth line and stuff. But I think he could still improve. Like, again, he's only played a few games in the NHL. Same for Braden McNabb. Like, he's going to go through some growing pains, but I think he has potential. Right now, he's coming out still about even when he's on the ice which is fine. That's a fine place to start. It's not where he needs to be like if this is April, but it's not. It's November. And so I think he will get better as the season goes along. So I'm kind of like you. I'm not I haven't thought about it much because I'm not super worried at this point. And even if the Kings do get to a place where it's like, I don't know, they're struggling. Maybe they won't go far this year. I think that's fine. They can have a transition year a little bit regroup. It's cool. Yeah. And especially with, uh, them like just starting to play their you know first few nhl games like let's all remember that there's like a vast difference in like speed and physicality and play like coming up into the nhl and also let's not forget tanner pearson standing around the boards during a playoff (laughs) game doing nothing and now he's the rookie of the month true which we didn't get to talk about because the news came out after we recorded last time yeah, Tanner Pearson, Rookie of the Month. He has made a lot of improvements in a very short time. Because again, the fact that he still qualifies for a rookie means that last season he only played 25 regular season games. And then, of course, he got crazy more experience by playing so much of the playoffs. But that dude still at the beginning of his career, his NHL career, still has plenty to learn as well. So yeah, it's the same for like all those dudes. And I think... I think this kind of stuff is important because it it is a test for them to see if they can step it up and try to really help the Kings through the situation. And I hope they do. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm very stoked to see how they sort of respond to the call, so to speak. Yeah, because like being complacent in how you play and, you know, what you're doing isn't going to do you any good when other people learn, you know, your playing styles and then adjust to that. So it's kind of like just a really large kick in the pants to kind of get things going. Yeah. There was an article from the LA Times last night that had, it was about the 70s line, but um, one of the things that it talked about was they had a quote from Jake Muzzin. And he was talking about Tyler Toffoli specifically, saying that he thinks one of Toffoli's strengths for when he came up to the NHL and like getting used to everything was that he's a very like laid back person. He doesn't seem to get rattled by being in these like new, tougher environments. And Muzzin mentioned how like when he came up, he felt like he was like, 
a little high strung and worried about making mistakes and whatnot. And, and you have to think that kind of happens for a lot of guys. So I th- yeah, I think McNabb will get better, which will help out the Kings. And then I don't think it's important for them to start thinking immediately that they need to make any sort of roster move because I think they are still evaluating, like you said, what they have. Also, like, can you just imagine being like, oh, hey, you're getting called called up to the NHL. By the way, the team you're playing on is the defending Stanley Cup champion. <laughs> yeah, stress. <laughs> They've won two cups in the last three seasons. Right. I All mean, right, go. Like, defend that title. Right. And, like, McNabb already had enough pressure because he had to have known, like, coming in, like, they didn't re-sign Willie Mitchell and Regeer's contract is up after this season. Like, he is expected to make a big impact on this team like that's a lot of pressure and now it's like oh by the way a player got suspended oh by the way more injuries and stuff so uh do your best poor guy yeah (laughs) not poor guy but good opportunity (laughs) let's put it that way but it's it's a lot to take in yeah it's a good problem to have but i mean it's still a lot for him to to take on um but to go back to tanner pearson for a minute his he's kind of cooled down a little bit now but his start to the season was so inspiring and so i feel like if that's what we have to look forward to i think like to more of that once he figures out how to do it consistently and and all of those guys as they just develop more how exciting like first martin jones he had a rookie of the month last Um, season with the start that he had uh, and he's continued to be solid so far this season he hasn't played very many games but he's been pretty good in them and I I am so excited about the next generation of Kings that I think even now when I get a little maybe concerned about how they're playing in the moment or whatever I'm like I'm, I'm not worried like long term I think they'll fix it somehow eventually there's just so much potential and you can just see how good they are and how good they work with each other and I yeah, I'm very eager to see what happens. Yes. Did you get to? I don't know if you even saw that LA Times article from last night. You were you were pretty busy, I know. Yeah, no, I didn't see it at all. It's pretty good. There's some good quotes from Pearson, Carter, and Toffoli, and Toffoli talks about how him and Pearson are pretty different people because he thinks that Pearson's kind of a busybody and likes to go do things, and meanwhile, uh, Toffoli's like, "I'm gonna lay in bed and watch TV all day. It's fine." <laughs> I'll catch you later. I'm, like, literally just imagining Toffoli, like, sitting on the couch, like, watching some sort of Netflix marathon while, like, Tanner Pearson cleans around him and, like, you know, lifts up his feet to vacuum (laughs) and, you know, like, is just, like, futzing around and, like, you know, organizing tables and things like that. I don't know. Sitcom style. (laughs) Pearson wanted to go out, do stuff yesterday, and Tyler Toffoli was sitting back figuring out what too many cooks is, just like the rest of us. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that was a <laughs> yeah. I, I watched half of it at work, Side and note. then it started to get weird. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can handle this right now. So I still haven't actually seen the whole thing. I haven't seen the whole thing either because at one point I just started slowly backing my face away from the <laughs> computer screen, being like, "What am I watching? Yeah. <laughs> what have I done to myself? I feel weird. <laughs> I feel strange. I feel like I've maybe taken drugs. I am not entirely sure. Uh, adult Swim, um, <laughs> still the same. Yeah, exactly. Back on the subject of. Hockey. I mean, there's not a whole lot, I guess, to talk about with what's going on with the actual Kings Club. So let's talk about some stuff not specifically related to them. Like a couple days ago, um, everybody sort of freaking out over NHL COO John Collins was at the 
New Lions Sport Me- Sports Media and Technology Conference for this year. And among the things that they talked about, he mentioned that sponsorships on NL- NHL jerseys, or sponsorships on jerseys, he said. So, because later he sort of backtracked and was like, I meant all jerseys in major sports. But of course, people took that to mean at the time, NHL jerseys, that ads or more sponsorships were coming to jerseys. Alan Walsh, who's a sports agent and lawyer, tweeted sort of like as a supplemental thing for like why. He said in 2004, about 5% of NHL revenues came from national business, 95% from teams. Now roughly 25% of NHL revenue comes from national business. So sponsorships, important. Do you... I don't know. Do you have a problem at all, I guess, with more sponsorships on jerseys? Um, I will admit that I do very much enjoy the very, like, clean look of the jerseys. Um, I also, side note, I enjoy everyone's, like, horrible photoshops of what, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> what kind of sponsorships would uh, be on, on different teams' jerseys. But I don't know. I mean, honestly, yes, I'm kind of bugged by it because aesthetically I really like the look of the jersey. Um, I'm not really one to buy and like wear jerseys, um, but I think I might have to just to have like a nice clean one and not one that's sponsored by McDonald's. I saw Steve Lepore mention that he thinks if or once this thing happens, they'll still make clean jerseys because of course the NHL, like they've come up with fucking like third jerseys because they want to continue to sell things to people so that they might just have both versions. Um, My only real issue with it in terms of like having to watch players in them every night is if the sponsors are terrible. Like I don't want to watch the Kings like run around on the ice with like McDonald's across the chest. That's a lame sponsor. Can we get a cool one? Uh, Like that's my dumb request. Just Make sure the sponsors are cool. I don't want to look at McDonald's across the chest. Toyota I would be okay with. I definitely don't want to see Travel Alberta or Mercury Insurance or that bingo and casino thing. Oh, it's totally going to be the casino. That'd be hilarious. (laughs) I'm, like, fine with the McDonald's one because I, like, grossly eat McDonald's breakfast, like, fairly often because it's, like, crack, essentially. But I guess it depends on how... Like, once again, I'm just, like, stuck on the aesthetics, how it looks. Like, I saw other i forget if it was like a mock-up or if it was just like actual jerseys from like europe and things like that where it's just so busy on the back like i'm fine with sponsors like whatever fine put it you know along the top of like across the shoulder wherever you're gonna put it but if it's like all over the back and you can't read the names or the numbers or anything like that then that you know that'll grind my gears i know last season there were some people who talked about how they thought that um no tucking the jersey rule was because they were planning to put sponsors on the bottom of the jersey that i would be cool with because it's a not as obtrusive basically and then cameras like yeah. they get a good shot when teams are doing like a face-off or something that would be a wonderful compromise i could deal with that yeah i wonder how um how that's gonna affect the players like how what kind of i i guess i'm wondering like how the sponsorship like patches would be sewn on or something like that like how it would be done Mm -hmm. because didn't the sharks do some sort of like jersey renovation where they like took off the bottom stripes of their jersey or something like that and people were talking about how it makes when you're playing it makes a notable difference in terms of like weight um even though i would assume that it's negligible but i totally understand you know they're the elite athletes that every little thing counts so i wonder how that would affect like if at all yeah that's true um somebody actually 
sort of related to that, I, I've noticed a couple of people on Twitter mention that like the Kings away jerseys actually look, you can see pads through them a little more, which made me wonder if they had changed the way those were made to make them wider or something. So yeah, that I know that's a thing that is considered a lot and we'll probably go into it. What a interesting and weird job to have like to be the person that has to think about the weight and like exactly how things are threaded because it'll affect play like okay that's a I mean cool that's awesome that's something I've I never really think about though I love like niche jobs like that I find that so fascinating like and like who tests it like hey okay I designed it here it is put this on and then like just run for you know a good hour or so tell me how it goes do like acrobatics and see if you can move around or something like that. Yeah, that, yeah, that's cool. So um, that's interesting, though. I will, I, I will be curious to see if anybody sort of talks about that element of it when sponsorships are added to see exactly if there is like any variation in placement too. Because I mean, we're assuming every jersey is going to have them in the same spot, but maybe they won't. I don't know. It'll be, it'll be cool to see in a way. Like again, mostly I'm just worried about people having lame sponsors, but I guess you go with whoever's paying you the most money. I'm trying to think of which one would be the funniest. Oh. I feel like insurance ones are pretty inherently funny. I think it'd be funny if it was like Marburg Industries, so <laughs> I don't know if that's like everyone else, that's like the trash people, right? Like they sponsor things. So if that that's like trash sponsoring the LA Kings. Yeah. I wonder if the Kings will get off a little easy with like staples, which wouldn't be too bad because I mean they're a sponsor and and that's where they play, so they could get lucky. But I feel like if it was the Kings, they they'd totally get McDonald's. They would. They really would. <laughs> which I guess would work in like their thirds, it would match. That'd be pretty fun. Also sticking with not totally related to the Kings, there was this news this week about two OHL players who had some conversations that they had with a girl or multiple girls. I, I don't actually know if it was multiple women or one of them, but the woman involved had made these uh, interactions on Tinder public. And so it was originally thought to be Greg Betzhold and some other guy named Chad something. But then Jake Marchment, who was drafted by the Kings this past summer, came onto his Twitter and like posted these messages, messages basically saying, I've seen people talk about my friend Chad, but I wanted to essentially come clean and say that those were from me. I was using his phone. The messages, let me see if I can open them up here because I want to make sure everybody knows exactly what we're talking about. Um, Super gross and misogynist. So here's the exchange with Jake Marchment under his friend Chad's. Chad Heffernan was the guy's name from the Belleville Bulls, Um, but it wasn't him. He, the exchange from Jake, it says, it's because you're so ugly and on Tinder, we all thought it would be easy. I hate when dirt balls try and be hard to get. Like, you're a dirt ball. Just sleep with me. The girl says, LOL, okay, if I really want to sleep with you, I would. I don't, so get over it. Clearly, you're pretty used to getting turned down because it sounds like you use that one a lot. So go find a real dirt ball because that's who's going to fuck you, not me. And he says, babe, I play in the O and got drafted to the NHL. Yeah, I get turned down so much. LOLs, you ugly cunt. First of all. What? What a charmer. Yeah, yeah. Also, I I mean, not that the situation is funny, but, like, just that second message of, babe, I play in the O. Like, that's... Yeah, no, that's so douchey. (laughs) It's so, like, stereotypically douchey, too. But also, like, that's why it's a problem. You're in these environments, and it should be something that you get to be proud of, that you were drafted, and you get to be in this position to have this sort of glamorous job, eventually, like, if you do make it up to the NHL and whatnot. You shouldn't use that as a sort of like power thing, like, oh, I'm more important than you, so obviously you should fuck me. Like, that's that's not cool. He apologized, which I'm glad he did, but it 
does it erase what the problem is there? Um, and then the OHL in sort of an interesting term, which I wasn't expecting because at first it was like, oh, the team has like handled this internally and we've talked to Jake and whatever. Then the OHL, the league suspended him and the other guy, Greg, for 15 games. I wasn't either. I thought he would just have to be known as that dude who sends really shitty Tinder messages and get like a slap on the wrist. But to see actual, like, it's good. You know, there are tangible, like, punishments for you Mm -hmm. like there are consequences for being an asshole like yeah you're yeah babe you're in the o so you're held to a higher standard than your common person you got to know that you know the things that you say matter i mean everyone should know that but athletes and people that eventually will be looked up to by like kids and things like that even more so. Mm-hmm. I've seen some posts, including one written by Langley from Jules from the Crown, about how this is just sort of a problem at the junior level in general. And some of that, I would assume, is a tie to the fact that like these are young guys who leave their homes and aren't always around their parents and whatnot. So there's not a lot of consistency, I guess, and sort of mentorship, because of course, once they go into playing hockey professionally, that's how it's thought of, like, this is your employer, they're not necessarily supposed to be your mom and dad. But I feel like if you take kids out of their homes and these environments where they're supposed to be getting discipline or even just moral mentorship and guidance, you kind of have to pick up that ball a little bit because you're, you've removed them from those environments. Yeah, so it's kind of, you know, they have to be nurtured a little bit more uh, at the junior levels, or at least just called out on their shitty behavior. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, it's always disheartening, I think, to hear this because, like, as women, like, I love the sport of hockey. I love, you know, paying attention to the exciting and good parts of the culture. And so it's it's a downer. Like, I'm not going to lie. It sucks to have these constant reminders that there is, I don't know, this whole part of the culture that doesn't actually welcome women to participate or thinks we're still just around to sort of please dudes. Like, just be a decent person. Like, don't be an asshole like that. Um, Rich Clooney, like, or Rich Clune, posted a tweet that was like, OHL players delete Tinder and be nice to a lady if you want to date her, which I thought was like an okay message. Like, that's fine. That's good advice. But I think more than that, I would also just like people to be taught how to just be decent in general. Like, you can be on fucking Tinder. Just don't be an asshole. (laughs) Maybe that's the more important thing. Don't just be, just don't be an asshole at all. That's, that's the thing. Yeah, I think that's mostly the thing. I I don't think it's Tinder that, it doesn't help that it's like an online thing. And for the most part, you're kind of anonymous, Mm -hmm. you know, and you don't have to look the person in the face. So kind of an ugly side can't come out. But yeah, just don't be a jerk. Yeah. I don't understand why that is so difficult for so many people. And I totally agree. It's exhausting for things to come out constantly just like oh cool this thing that i devote so much time and attention and energy energy into and that brings me such joy and happiness doesn't you know appreciate me back yeah like at any at any level like not just like the hockey level or anything like that but just like as a basic i'm a person level so that's really disheartening and exhausting and annoying that it's a constant reminder. I am glad. I will give credit to the OHL for suspending them. I do hope that there is a second component to that where, you know, like with anything, there is more education that goes along with it because you don't just want to be like, I don't, well, I don't think personally that the message of like, don't do this because you will be punished is enough. I think there should be some effort made to get some other more fundamental messages across about just how to be decent and compassionate to other people. Yeah, like don't be like don't don't do this because you're gonna get caught and that's bad or what have you and you're gonna be suspended don't do this because 
you shouldn't have these views as a person because it's misogynistic and terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It also kind of makes you like ugly inside the longer it goes on. You don't want to do that to yourself either. Yeah. Also, did some police sirens go off behind you? Because that's a nice touch. Yes, it is. <laughs> what a great touch. <laughs> it really did. I'm, I'm doing um, off-the-cuff sound effects, <laughs> adding them to the podcast when I talk about things. It's only going to be sirens and rubbing engines, because that's what I've got around me. Very nice, very nice. Uh, I think my roommates are up, like, making tea and stuff, so that's what I got around me, is the sounds of breakfast. I think I'm actually pretty sure a drunk person's being arrested oh, no. right across the street. So that's fun. Oh, man. <laughs> it's rough for so many people. Uh, f- so fun thing, though, happening in the in or at the junior and minor league levels is the other day I noticed that the Manchester Monarchs were doing. F- I don't even know exactly what the promotion was, but they had Kevin Rain, who's playing with them this season, um, making pizzas at Papa John's and then delivering them to people. And it was like there was one tweet that was like, you know, if you want a pizza from Kevin Rain, like call Papa John's right now and it made me think like of course there's a lot of this stuff at the junior level and in the minor leagues because the players are lesser known but you don't necessarily see a lot of this kind of stuff at the NHL level unless it's like delivering tickets to season ticket holders for some teams or something like that but it made me wonder if I could call a pizza place or something in order from any Kings player, who would I want it to be to show up at my door? And my first thought was, of course, Trevor Lewis, because I think that would be pretty funny. But I feel like there's some merit to a lot of them. So I would ask you, if you, if I, it doesn't have to be a pizza, but that was the example that the Monarchs were doing. So if you could call and order a pizza and you got a, like a Kings player to bring it to you, who would it be? Okay, I'm currently going through my brain. Oh, before I go to this, you know, hats off to Trevor Lewis for his shorthanded goal, by the by. Yeah, um, true. That we didn't talk about. Um, I'm having a montage in my head about just, like, the doorbell ringing and me opening the door and a different Kings player smiling at me and holding a pizza. <laughs> and it's a real good image that's going through my brain right now. And the funniest one is, of course, Jeff Carter yeah. smiling real big at me wearing, like, a pizza hat, <laughs> no teeth, trying to hand me a pizza. I think that that would be hilarious oh man but i i don't know who would my ideal person be i feel like mike richards would be another good one only because i also imagine him like judging your toppings choices which could be fun i see you put on mushrooms (laughs) right Mm, i don't know about that one then you could also though tip him but like it, it could be money but it could also be gummy bears which by the way is still one of my favorite things about mike richards i don't know if anybody else has ever noticed it mike richards <laughs> loves gummy bears i think he just loves candy but gummy bears especially the fact that there are so many pictures of him and gummy bears yeah. warms my heart yeah i think it was from i think it was from when he was still like the pretty new to the kings um and he was rooming with trevor lewis on the road it might have been a mayor's manor article or, or interview or i don't know I, I can't remember exactly but i do know it was Trevor Lewis giving the quote and they were asking him like what he finds most annoying about Mike Richards and you know for rooming with him and Trevor Lewis was like it's the fact that he eats candy all the time all the time and I can't do that and and then like at the tip of King we Diane and I notice and maybe a couple other events that whenever you like if you see pictures of him he's always got like stealthily like a little package of some kind of gummy treat in his hand so and apparently he gifted some like fan like here after, you know, he signed a thing, here, have some gummy bears, and, like, sent you on your way. Yeah. That's lovely. 
So that's that's what I imagine. If Mike Richards showed up to my house and delivered me pizza, I would tip him in, in gummy candy. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Who else would be pretty fun? Uh, I think Kyle Clifford would be pretty fun, but I don't know if I want Kyle Clifford to show up at my door. I feel like that would be a little... Dwight King. Oh my god. Dwight King. <laughs> Dwight King only if he brings his baby. Oh, true. Oh, that would be cute. Andre Kopitar if he brings Gustel. Oh. Okay, I, I take it back. I want Gustel to deliver me my pizza. Yeah. Forget the Kings Get him King's some players. kind of, like, cool harness. Just has it at yeah. your door. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, it's November, and I can't believe we still haven't, like, actually repimped the Gustel calendar. Everybody needs to be using it. It's a great calendar. I'll have to uh, take a picture of it on my wall at work and... Uh show everyone yes yes i would love to see lots of people's pictures of them using that calendar uh kings and dogs calendar what's up they could easily make a couple hundred dollars for paying players with that i would spend so much money (laughs) buying them i would like they'd be christmas like christmas gifts for everyone put put them in everyone's stocking here hockey players and animals (laughs) yeah that would be good dude i don't know do we talk on the podcast about uh, I don't think we did because I I was saying to you though that I I would also love it if it wasn't like just dogs if it was like other random animals too. Oh yeah, the, I one hundred percent want um like Andre Kopitar to pose with like an alpaca because I feel like they would have similar hair. Yeah, of course. Or like an ostrich and a goat, things like that. I think that would be awesome. Of course, Martin Jones with some kind another owl maybe or maybe an actual falcon this time. You never know. I, he should totally get a falcon and he should be dressed. Uh, no, he should get a snowy white owl and dress up as Harry Potter. This is <laughs> what it should be now. <laughs> I've changed my mind. <laughs> anyway, that's a fun thing to think about. I think Tippeking is coming up again soon. I never actually go to Tippeking because it costs money. But I look forward to people's fan pictures and whatnot because I like discovering random things about how people interact with the players there and whatnot. Oh, I wanted to take some time. And I guess it's kind of weird that I'm doing this at the end because I don't want it to just turn into this like rant about how I uh, love Jonathan Quick or anything. But <laughs> <laughs> as every podcast sometimes ends. Uh, but this actually doesn't start with being about him. It starts with Jonathan Bernier, actually. So Sportsnet has a magazine and on their most recent edition of it, they have um, a cover story with Jonathan Bernier. And it's sort of previewed on the website, but... Um, Somebody uploaded full images of the magazine to the internet because the internet is amazing. And I read it last night. And I want to read you one of these quotes. Hold on, let me find it. Okay. I really, I really enjoy Jonathan Bernier, but I also want to read this because it is not a a problem I have with him, but something that sort of segs into why I have always liked Jonathan Quick as well. Um, But he says, or it starts with, Bernier led in 16 goals as the Kings slid to 1-5 to begin the season and ultimately sent their young goalie back to Lewiston for more seasoning. This was when he finally got a shot at his first career start. And then he says, I can't lie, that was a really tough thing for me. I had really high hopes of staying with that team. Um, The article says, to make matters worse, as Bernier toiled in junior, another Jonathan was emerging, Jonathan Quick. Uh, It talks about the start that Quick had. And then it says... Quick eventually staked his claim and, you know, to the starting job, burying Bernier with the Manchester Monarchs in the AHL, where the Kings left him for two full seasons. Bernier says, I was really rattled. I didn't want to be there. I was pissed. I was like, I know I can play in the NHL. I want to play in the NHL. And then that's kind of like the tone, I think, with, I mean, there was also like some from press day at the beginning of the season, there were like some quotes where it was a quote from Bernier where he said something to ESPN, like, 
there was only one spotlight in LA and it was never on me kind of thing. And I really enjoyed Jonathan Bardier, but something that's always kind of bugged me about him too is like this sense of like entitlement about being this like number one player yeah like I I totally understand being like confident in yourself and being like I know that I can do this yeah but his always just reeks of yeah like you said kind of entitlement like I should have this job like the number one starter for an amazing team that's mine right yeah which is kind of weird like I I really enjoy him but I'm also kind of like dude take a fucking step back hold on um (laughs) and what how this segues into what I was thinking about Jonathan Quick though is one of the reasons I've always really liked him and I know like people have plenty of debates about whether or not he's an elite goaltender or whatever but for me all of that is just kind of gravy because he was it's true like he was never supposed to be the starter for the Kings team he is someone who people have talked about just has like this crazy work ethic when he's really challenged and likes to sort of steal that spotlight from other people and whatnot um and just sort of having it having like clearly birdie be like yeah i was pissed about being sent back to the ahl and having this other dude called up even though like obviously birdie and and quick always got along i think it's kind of cool in a way for me because I I like that about Jonathan Quick. Maybe he will never have like elite numbers like he doesn't but he has like moments where he is really great and people have talked about how so far this season he has looked a lot more like he did in 2011-12 which is cool and and so I just wanted that contrast or being reminded of that contrast was really interesting because I think one of the reasons if I remember correctly why they did call up Quick was because he had the better attitude about it. So, you know, I think a lot of people or some people like to just talk about like the X's and O's of like, oh, this player is playing better than this player, so he should be in. But we live in a world with people and people, you know, are are drawn to certain types of personalities and like to reward people who seem grateful for it. And um, I think it, it is pretty clear at least to me, that the Jonathan Quick seemed to always have the better attitude of those two people. And it's part of why I root for him, even though he may never actually be the sort of Hall of Famer, you know, that sometimes he gets the media press for being. I love your impassioned speeches about Jonathan Quick, I just want to say. I just want to say that. Also, I, th- I thought the article was interesting as well. So if you if you guys can find it on the internet, or maybe I'll link it in our link it on our blog. But it's pretty good. It's a pretty good piece about him in general. And I do hope actually that that Bernier, like right now, him and Reimer are sort of in this like tandem to see who will be this the number one guy. But um, I actually I wish Bernier all the best. Yeah. No. We we of course want good things for for Bernier, but. I mean, we talk all the all the time about, like, the culture of the L.A. Kings, and, you know, they talk about it themselves, just, like, how much they love each other and how much they, like, work well and will do anything for each other. So um, the attitude thing is probably often overlooked. Not often, but maybe overlooked a little bit more in other places. And so it kind of makes sense that in what Dean Lombardi is trying to, like, build here, that Jonathan Quick would get the, the you know, the go-ahead just mm-hmm. because he's, like, better... Uh, personality attitude suited towards the team. I mean, a key thing to building a culture is you want guys who buy in. And I think you can even tell now from like the quotes that Quick gives and whatnot, like as soon as it's like, oh, you hit this new record, he's like, it's not me, it's the team. And this kind of like deflection, which I don't think, I don't want to conflate that with the idea that like hockey shouldn't have star personalities. I think it's possible to be both a team player and clearly have confidence and actually I think Jonathan Quick is an example of somebody who does that really well like I think the reason why he gets like crazy hot-headed on the ice or whatever is because he's very competitive 
Oh, and actually, that just reminded me of one other story that I, I like to tell people about sometimes that I read. I'll have to find this article so I can link it to, but of when Jonathan Quick was in high school and um, there was a kid, like he came into the high school and another guy was supposed to have the starting job and this guy had like just died. Like the coach was telling this story. The, the guy's uh, the guy's father had just died. And so he's like, this guy's like ready to like represent his team and he's got a helmet with like a tribute to his dad on it. And then Quick came to this high school and outperformed this dude in like their tryout period or whatever. And so when it came time to like name the roster and he was gonna be the starting goaltender, <laughs> the coach had to look at both of them and say Jonathan Quick's name and like Quick was just like yes in the corner <laughs> or whatever <laughs> while this kid is like so sad oh that's kind of amazing it's kind of oh that's hilarious it's so unfortunate but also so 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 de- yeah there's definitely that like sense of like I want to I want to be the best and like have confidence in myself as well it's not like it doesn't exist I don't care about you and your your dead dad problems I wouldn't be the starter. Um, I'm sure he didn't say exactly those words, but I kind of wish that he had. <laughs> he was probably way kinder, but... I don't care about your dead dad problems. <laughs> oh, Chanel. Anyway, I'm horrible, but still. Um, another thing. Here's something that I found out last night that I think is kind of... It's very small, but kind of cool. Did you know that Dave Lozo in his Backskate articles has this little... Thing where he takes a quote from uh, Coach John Cooper and Daryl Sutter and basically has people choose who was better that week. I did not know that that was a thing, but that sounds amazing. That's pretty good. Like, he thinks both of them are the two most quotable coaches in the NHL. And so I thought that was just funny to notice that, like, here are the quotes from this week. Um, <laughs> please choose the best one. And I think Sutter frequently wins because he's just more outrageous. I kind of, I kind of enjoy that the... Uh, that our coach is known is like known around the league and you know people pay attention to what he's doing but for something completely hilarious like his post-game pressers and things like that instead of being like you know someone who yells a lot behind the bench or you know whatever what have you um but that he is like prime time entertainment just watching what he does and like i know that every time the camera goes to the king's bench during a broadcast i like half have my finger on like the screen cap button just, <laughs> just so <in> case. <laughs> just in case just to see what sort of weird face that he makes like if there's a bad call against the kings i always want them to cut to daryl setter because he's got like the weirdest most elastic muppety face um mm-hmm. in his reaction to things and i always want to see what's going on there I liked him in the the Fox Sports West segment, uh, the Coffee with Bob segment, where he talked about how sometimes things do rattle him a little bit on the bench, and he has to do like a one two, like three two one, one two three, calm down kind of thing. <laughs> and so now I sort of want to see if I can pay attention to like see which of those faces are him, just like genuinely reacting with confusion or something, or him like having to take a moment and talk himself through it. <laughs> He's really working through some things with those with those faces sometimes. Uh, investigative journalism on Daryl Sutter. That's what we're going to do now. Oh, man. Okay, so um, the Kings play the Canucks, and I don't even know what their schedule is this upcoming week, but who cares? Are there any other teams that you've watched this week or heard anything about that caught your eye? I'm sure there is, but now that I'm put on the spot, I don't remember. I will say that... The Blues, like, they won, like, six or seven games in a row, and Vladimir Tarasenko has been really good this week, which is crazy. Also, let's, like, I mean, not to take away from it, like, the Canucks are coming into this, like, pretty high in the league in the Pacific Division. Also, the Blackhawks are ninth in the Western Conference right now. Ninth or tenth. It doesn't make sense. Nothing makes sense. 
I think it was like there was a Grantland article it might have been that was just like here are weird things that are happening in the NHL right now like the Calgary Flames are hot mm-hmm. you I never would have said that um, and like the same with the Islanders although I don't think that they'll drop as drastically as maybe the Flames will um, or like when the Oilers were on their win streak or what have you um, I would also like to point out really quickly that uh, remember early in this, like, like the first couple weeks of the season or whatever, when it was, like, the Blues and the Minnesota Wild both got sick or whatever, Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry have been out with the flu, so I think we can definitively say that the infection was down there. <laughs> it was not the Kings' fault. It's not the yeah. state of California's fault. It is the Ducks' fault. <laughs> it is always the Ducks' fault. I don't care what it is. It's the Ducks' fault. True. So, mystery solved. We know who is responsible. Um, I sort of half watched that uh, Rangers game against the Red Wings. I oh believe, yeah, on Wednesday, um, where you know Nash is supposed to be their star and score all these goals, and he just missed every single time, except for his you know <laughs> dumb buckle at the end. Um, the dumb buckle when it counts, but like during the game, I was just like, oh, here's a thing, and nothing happened from it. Aww. Oh, here he might ha- he has a chance, and it was just awful. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> but uh, he redeemed himself in the end. I mean, he he started off really hot. He was scoring a lot, so it'll be unfortunate if he does like really get back into a place where he scores nothing. Although I guess like there's something to be said about the fact that like a lot of the guys, in addition to just being talented shooters, like what helps make them talented shooters is that they shoot more than other people because actually like Jeff Carter is apparently gone like six games without a point or anything and that's like the longest stretch he's gone since he's become a king which is kind of weird and he's a guy who usually like consistently shoots a lot or whatever so it actually made me wonder if he's been shooting less these games which it makes sense like they've been on the road and teams focus on that line because they were the hot line please don't be infected with whatever rick nash had jeff carter yeah please no hopefully he'll score tonight i i kind of forgot that the canucks existed yeah i'm me not too. gonna lie I think a lot of people did. Maybe that contributes to why they're doing so well. Everybody could kind of, like, written them off, and now it's like, oh, but we're actually here, and we're pretty good. (laughs) We're okay still. Yeah, I guess there's, like, since Kessler had left, and there was just, like, so much talk about, like, is this their their last time before, you know, everything gets uh, torn apart, but then the Sharks happened, so that kind of, like, took away from any sort of, like, rebuilding drama, so that I focused more on the Sharks than I did the Canucks, mm-hmm. and then I just legitimately forgot that they were a hockey team. Mm-hmm. And they have a coach who's not John Tortorella, so they've been interesting and, like, competent so far. Um, I mean, like with them, and or like with the Dallas Stars and, like, the Islanders, the question is whether or not they can sustain that all season. Like, they've been good so far, but I think that that kind of, like, a benchmark, the holidays are sort of a benchmark for a lot of people um, to sort of figure out, like, is this the team that you're going to have for this season? Hopefully the Kings are better. I mean, that's what I'm really concerned with. Although, actually, in the, the, how I ended up noticing the thing about the John Cooper and Daryl Sutter quotes is because I was reading something about, or from Dave Lozo, where he pointed out that, like, the Kings had sort of struggled for a while in the regular season, and then after the Olympics, they went on a run where they won 16 games. Like a crazy, you know, not in a row, but like a crazy win streak to end the season in a way that other teams hadn't. So I guess it'll be interesting to see, again, like which teams sustain the success they've had or which teams do like a 180. Because then there were like the Leafs who lost eight games in a row and fell out of a playoff spot at the end of the season. So of the Stars, Calgary, Vancouver, and the Islanders, I wonder which of those teams will like hang on to it and still be in a in a great position in a few months from now yeah that's that's always the thing like everyone 
it's the same, like, beyond seasons, too. Like, when everyone's like, okay, well, the Avalanche were great last season. They're probably going to suck this season. And they're kind of sucking. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, they're not terrible, but, you know, obviously they didn't sustain their kind of level that they played last year. All right. I guess we will wrap up this thing and get out of here. Thanks, as always, for listening, everybody. Uh, The Kings, hopefully they play better. I would like them to not just be an average possession team this season. So hopefully they figure out something with the defense and that changes. Until then, when we can say whether or not they are, things are looking up this week, take care of yourselves. If you want to follow us, we are at ThanksBud on Twitter or individually. I am at Chanel Berlin. And I'm at AKA Diane Fan. And the Kings are at home now, so if you want to buy tickets to the game, maybe try to check out Ticket Monster, which we have a partnership with. Just click on our schedule tab on the site, check out some tickets. They're pretty cool so far. They might be cheaper than what's available elsewhere. Either way, be good. To each other, take care of yourselves, and we will catch you again in a week from now. Goodbye, friends. Bye, everyone.